Genesis 39, and we're talking about Joseph once again. What a great, uh, uh, some great lessons we can learn from this young man. And as he aged, as he continued to walk from his youth to his elderly days, he did not change. He walked with God that whole entire time. Oh, would that be your prayer, my prayer, that we will continue, that we will not just start right, but that we will finish right. That people will remember us after we uh, have passed as a person that served God, that person that loved the Lord. A, a young man, he applied for a job as a farmhand, and he, he met with a farmer, and the uh, farmer asked him, well, what are some of your qualifications for to fulfill this job? And he says uh, to the farmer, he said, I can sleep when the wind blows. And that kind of puzzled the farmer, but he liked the kid. He says, boy, he's just a, he liked his personality and all, and so he hired him. And a few days later, the farmer and his wife, they were awakened in the middle of the night with a, a great wind and the lightning and the thunder and, and a violent storm. And they quickly, they begin to check things out and see if make sure everything was secure. And they found that the shutters of the farmhouse, they'd been secured and fastened. And uh, a, a good supply of logs had been brought in, were lying there by the fireplace. The young man slept soundly through all of this. The farmer's wife then inspected their property. They found that the farm tools had all been uh, put away, and they were in their place. And they, they, the tractor had been put in the garage. The barn was properly locked. Everything uh, was taken care of. Even the animals were calm. And so all was well. Then the farmer understood the words of this young man, that I can sleep when the wind blows. Because the, the farmhand did the work before when the skies were blue and everything was fine. He got everything done and taken care of so when the storm came, he could sleep when the wind blew. And so, you know, that's a great illustration of the principle that we would do well, I think, as Christians to learn. There, there was nothing dramatic or sensational in the in this young farmhand's preparations. He just faithfully did what he knew he was supposed to do. If you and I, Christian, would just be faithful to God and do the things that we know we should do, boy, when the storm comes, when the wind howls, we can sleep well. We can rest our head on the pillow knowing that we're right with God. Well, let's read here about another young man that took care of things in, in preparation for the storms that came in the, his life. But in Genesis 39, look with me down at verse 7. Genesis 39, verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, this is Joseph now living in Potiphar's house, Potiphar there in Egypt, who uh, was uh, served right under Pharaoh, who was his bodyguard, you could say. And uh, he... Uh, uh, he, he gave Joseph the responsibility of everything. Joseph took care of it all. But anyway, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eye upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the, the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none, none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
And it came to pass as she spake uh, to uh, Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he has brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. It came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought forth are brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. It came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to, uh, to me, that his, uh, that his wrath was kindled. His wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and brought him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. We've seen that phrase last week, didn't we? And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the uh, keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed Joseph's hand, all uh, the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Our Heavenly Father, as we delve into this passage this morning, teach us and challenge us, and God, show us what we need uh, for this day, and we give you the glory. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think a short poem here that I read kind of sums up this uh, principle uh, as it pertains in your life. And it says, it isn't the, thing, the things you do, it's the things you leave undone, which gives you a bit of heartache at the setting of the sun. And so when the sun sets each day on Joseph's life as a young man, and he could look back and he sees that he was a faithful son when he was at Jacob's house, when he was at his father's house. Now when he was, he was minding the, the flocks and taking care of the sheep out in the fields, he was a faithful worker. When he was sold to Potiphar, he proved to be a, a very faithful servant. And uh, because he had been faithful, the Lord blessed, as it says here in scriptures, blessed everything he did. And in this passage, we see the faithfulness of Joseph. And um, I, I don't think it could be any clearer, uh, the faithfulness, the faith that he had. And in spite of all that was uh, thrown at him. And so, of course, there's a word here for you and I as we live our lives today. The Bible is a very relevant book for us today. And here's one other uh, passage example that we have. God wants you, Christian. God wants me. God wants all of us to be faithful. You don't have to be a gifted singer to be faithful. You don't have to preach to be faithful. Just being faithful. All of us can be faithful. And that's what God wants. He wants us to stay the course. He wants us to run the race. 
He wants us to do all these things for His glory and for our good and the good of uh, the believers around us. Joseph teaches us how to be faithful in spite of what we face in this life. And I want to encourage you today, Christian, stay the course. Don't quit. Don't give up. Stay the course. Remain faithful. But Joseph was faithful even in temptation. In verses 7 through 12, we see this story played out before us. The trap is set. Uh, this woman, like a spider, has set her trap. And Joseph was a he was a good-looking young man, according to verse 6, but not that I would know, but uh, beauty must uh, bring with it its own challenges, right, its own problems. But as Joseph ministered in Pharaoh's house, he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife, and uh, she began to flirt with him. Uh, you can see again there in verse 7 where she begins to do this. After a short time, she became downright brazen, in her approach, and she asked Joseph right out, Joseph, lie with me. Lie. She wanted her to, uh, or she wanted him to lie with her, and he refused her advances. But she she persisted, kept on, kept on. Then on a certain day, she was in the house alone. Do you think that was a coincidence? Do you think that was Joseph's plan? No, she had everybody sent out. There's no question about that. She was setting the trap. She was trying to lure uh, this young man into her trap. And so uh, on this certain day, she was in the house alone. Joseph came in, and she grabbed him, the Bible says, and uh, his outer garment and said, lie with me. And he left his garment and ran away. Praise the Lord. That's what you need to do. What a great example uh, that is. And in this trial by fire, he remained absolutely faithful to the Lord. Now, I'll tell you, when it's awfully easy for us to give in to temptation, and the devil knows what lure to use to draw us, to uh, uh, bait us into taking or getting into the trap. And so the bait is alluring here, this bait that is set in her trap. Um, there were several features about the temptation that I think would probably make it attractive to any young man. And the temptation addressed a natural, legit, legitimate need, and uh, the offer from Pharaoh's, or from Pharaoh, from Potiphar's wife, was um, for sex, pure and simple. That's what she was offering uh, Joseph. And God, God has made us uh, sexual beings, but in the confines of marriage is where he intends for us to be. And uh, many believe that you know, hey, I have the right to satisfy that need any way I want to. And uh, so, but God has different opinions. God has different ideas. You say, yeah, but that's old-fashioned, and, and, and I, uh, we're going we're gonna to do it our way. Well, you can. That's true. And, and you'll have the support of many in the world, but God is not pleased when we go against his will. And uh, so anyway, Joseph, being a man of God, being... Uh, a, a man that was sound in truth, he uh, still would not give in to her advances. Um, and Joseph responds to Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. His uh, what was a response that all of us would do well to adopt when it comes to dealing with sexual sin. Um, it tells us in Second Timothy, Paul tells us to flee youthful lust. 
we live in a day and age when anything goes. When we're, we're told that as long you have a desire and, and you have a need, you, you can meet it and do whatever you want to do. There's no problem with that. But the Bible is very clear, isn't it? I guess that's why a lot of people don't want the Bible around anymore. Because it points out, as I was mentioning in Sunday school hour, it's like that spotlight in a dark night. And when it's dark, we're, we can't see very well, and we don't know what's around us, and, and it's easy for us to live our lives and not really be too aware of what's happening. But when the light comes on, and when you read the Word of God, or the Word of God is preached, it puts a light on our sin. It's a, it's a mirror. We read the Bible, and it reveals us who we really are. Not who we want people to think we are, but the Bible just tells us who we really are and the sinner that we are, and the sin, it calls sin, sin. And there's only one way that we can get right with God, and that is to repent. So the best thing that we can do a lot of times in a situation maybe similar to this is get out of there, hightail it out of there. But the problem is we uh, sometimes we like that flirtation. We like the danger. I'm just saying the old human nature, it can... It can talk us into, oh, it's innocent, it's, it's uh, nothing, no, no big deal. But it would have been if Joseph would have gave in. Joseph, secondly, he was a, a long way from home. So, first of all, the temptation was a legitimate need. The devil knows that. He knows what, what our needs are. And so, then secondly, Joseph, far away from home. No one there knows him. I mean, you, you think about it. Some people might have adopted the motto, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And a lot of people live like that. A, a salesman uh, that travels around may do things on the road that he never would do when he's home. A young person may do things at a party that they would never do otherwise uh, if they were not there in that party. Joseph didn't care where he was. He was determined to do right regardless of where he was or who was around him. He refused to violate the trust of his master and the trust of his God. And look there at verse. None greater in this house, he says, he, he uh, neither hath he kept back anything <clears throat> from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? There he said, I can't. You're my master's wife. I could never do this. And I'm a servant of God. I cannot do this. And so his uh, uh, family would have never known. Potiphar might not have ever known. And, but Joseph knew that the God in heaven that he served knew exactly what was going on. And that knowledge was enough to keep him pure. Let me remind you, God is watching, Christian. God sees you. He knows your heart. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, it said, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So God is watching. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13, All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him. And then, thirdly, Mrs. Potiphar, sure, undoubtedly, she was a very beautiful woman. In fact, uh, Egyptian women were renowned in that day for their physical beauty. Surely she would have appealed to the male in Joseph. 
Nowhere does it say that he was repulsed by her appearance. Nowhere does it suggest that she was a, an unattractive woman. And so had he given in to her advances, there's little doubt that he, for a time, might have enjoyed that experience. However, Joseph was more interested, not so much interested in just simply gratifying the uh, desires of the flesh, and he was determined to be faithful to God regardless of the personal cost. So it was a decision that Joseph made a long time ago. Joseph didn't find himself with this woman hanging on to his garment and saying, lie with me, and then make his mind up, oh, what should I do, you know? No, no. It was way, way back there when he was just a boy. He determined he was going to do right then, kind of like Daniel did, purpose in his heart, that he would not defile himself against God. Decided then, this is what I'm going to do, and whatever situation comes my way, I'm going to choose God. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do right. If it came to this, it wasn't decision time. He already made the decision way back then. And so then, what the only thing he could do was get out of there. And that's what he did. And, he, and God knew the truth. So, you know, but here's the thing. He, uh, he had conviction that he had, had uh, uh, drawn himself some boundaries in his, his life. I will not do this. I will not go there. I will not partake of those things. He made that decision. Young person, I would urge you to make that decision. I don't care. I don't care what your age is. You know, there's some old fools as well as young fools in our world today. And uh, there's some uh, folks, they take these, they go live down in Florida and live like the devil because no one knows them there and they don't have to perform. I, I didn't, an older man was telling me this story and um, it's an awful thing. I, he, he uh, I wouldn't even believed it, but I heard it on you know, one of these um, uh, old the news channels they were talking about this, how they go down, they gamble, and they, they, uh, they do all sorts of wickedness. These are older people who should know better, but they may not know the Lord, but maybe they do. I'm just saying, they made, or Joseph made a decision years back. So when the time of temptation came, his mind was already made up what he was going to do. He was going to do right. And it, also, it came on the heels of a big promotion. Did you, did you notice that? He's promoted. He's the head of this whole entire estate. Everything, the farm, everything that happened went through Joseph. It was not Potiphar. Potiphar left and did his work with uh, uh, Pharaoh and realizing that, hey, this young man can handle anything. And he left it to him. Joseph made the decision. Joseph had, he was in charge of everything. And when that big promotion comes, sometimes that's when the temptation comes. And that's exactly what happened here. A after, uh, you know, think about it, Joseph, he seemed to have the Midas touch. Everything he touched, it just uh, uh, turned to gold. And he was the king of the roost. He did, it, did as he pleased. And some people might have that philosophy, well, hey, I can do no wrong. I might as well enjoy the fruit of my labors, but not Joseph. Isn't it amazing how our minds work? When it comes to that temptation and we are kind of toying with the idea and we begin to justify, hey, you know, I deserve this. I, people say, uh, I'm going to start thinking of myself now. I'm going to do something that makes me happy. 
and, and boy, they're, they're looking all in the wrong places. They really are, and it's sad. But I'm just saying that's what our mind, that's what the flesh will convince us to do. And it's to do the wrong thing. Remember, we are never more vulnerable to temptations than when we enjoyed a great victory right afterwards. Uh, we are vulnerable to the temptation. We think, I can't lose. I, I'm too strong. Look what I've done. I've accomplished. And that's when the uh, pride cometh before the fall, the Bible tells us. Then it came at the perfect time and opportunity. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph when there was no physical reason why they should not and could not commit adultery, humanly speaking. And uh, the, the only thing that stopped them was Joseph's integrity. And, and he, he stood his, his ground. He determined to do right regardless of the cost. And our enemy is a master at setting things up. Everything that had happened here, it was not a coincidence worked it all out to try to get him alone and to lure him. She had been on him and on him and on him persistently, but to no avail, thank God, because of the integrity of this young man. But our enemy today does the same thing. He will put us in just the right place at just the right time. He will make sin look so innocent and so easy. He will make it seem that we are a fool if we refuse him. I would remind you that all Satan, all of his apples are full of worms. He's a liar. He's a great advertiser, but he doesn't show you the after effects when we give in to that temptation. And then the opportunities that he gives you to sin will lead to disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, possibly even death. Proverbs 13, 15, the way of transgressors is hard. Boy. I've seen some young people who have been on drugs for several years and they look so much older than they really are. The drugs, the lifestyle, the, uh, the, the smoking, the drinking, it has a hard, it's hard on our bodies. And that's what the Bible says, the way of transgressors is hard. What has sin ever done for you? Has sin been your companion and helped you in life and, and made you a better person, made you stronger? No. Sin will destroy you. It will destroy us all if we yield to it. And then dealing with temptation. Let me make some statements here about this, this uh, matter of temptation. Temptation is never from God. James talks about that in chapter 1. Uh, we're never tempted of God. Temptation is always from within. James continues to talk there in chapter 1 about that we... Uh, we, we give in to temptation. It's the lust that's in our hearts. The devil didn't make me do it. God surely didn't make me do it. I sin because I choose. You sin because you choose to sin. It's the lust that's within our hearts, as James talks about. Always a way out of temptation. That's what I want to say, too. No matter what the temptation is, there's always a way out. Joseph, a young, good-looking young man, a beautiful woman, the opportunity that some were thought, man, this is amazing, this is just a dream come true. But uh, Joseph didn't look at it that way. Joseph saw what the right thing was to do. And there was a way out. And for him, it was running. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it talks about that. What is the way out? He's not going to put too much on us that we can't handle. And if, if so, he'll, he'll give us a way of escape, a way out. 
So deal with it immediately. That's how we can uh, uh, always get out of that temptation. Deal with it immediately. Nip it in the bud. And deal with it re realistically. Uh, in other words, get away from it at all costs. Don't think, I can handle this. No problem. I'm just innocent. You know, no, she's flirting a little bit. Not a big deal. Get away from it. Deal with it ruthlessly. Do whatever you have to do to avoid it. Deal with it consistently, consistent in your resistance to it. And deal with it confidently. Uh, we have the, the Lord's promise. There in 1 Corinthians 13, 10, 13, God will make a way of escape. Just be sure you're looking for it. And that's the problem. We want, in some cases, we don't want to escape. We kind of like that temptation, that sin, and we're too willing to give in. But the word escape means to egress or way out. It used in, um, in, in ancient Greece, it was used for a landing place for a ship. That's how the word was used. And so God is providing us a way out of the storm of stormy sea, a safe harbor, a safe place to get away from that sin. Those temptations that we cannot escape, he says there he'll help us to bear, uh, to bear them. So God's promise to us is while temptation will come our way, he will enable us to land safely on the other side and do the right thing. And then see sin for what it really is. I think one of the main reasons that Joseph was able to remain faithful in the day of temptation was because he saw sin for what it really was. He, he didn't see it as something innocent. He didn't see it as just a few moments of pleasure um, or as his right. He had a right to do this. He didn't see it as even an, an option. Joseph saw sin as an affront to Almighty God. That's how he saw sin. Look there again at verse 9. There is none greater, he goes on, I, at the very last of that verse, I can... Uh, then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He saw it as an affront to Almighty God. Um, if you and I are successfully going to navigate the troubled waters of life and temptation, then learn to see sin for what it really is. It is not a mistake. It is wickedness. Uh, it is not an affair. It is adultery. It is an alternate lifestyle. It is an abomination. It is not a slip of the tongue, it's blasphemy. It is not an abortion, it is murder. Sin is a shame in any life. Especially, that is true when it's in a Christian's life. And so Joseph was faithful in spite of the temptation. I, you know, I want to say, and I believe if you're a Christian here this morning, you want to be able to say the same thing that Paul did. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Well, Joseph could say that. Faith, faithful in temptations. How faithful are you in those temptations? Do you find yourself yielding more and more? Do you find yourself saying, I'm just too weak, I'm unable? Well, give yourself to God. Let him have control. Set down some borders, some uh, uh, convictions that you should have. And then faithful in spite of trials. Joseph was faithful in spite of the trials of life. Uh, verses 13 through 19. Now a second trap is set. Someone <clears throat> once said that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. 
Well, Mrs. Potiphar was scorned, and now she sets another trap for this young man. If she can't have him, she wants to destroy him. And that's exactly what she set out to do. And when Joseph runs out, I can just see her with the, the, the wheels of turning in her mind. And as she goes in and she rumples up her hair and she smudges up her makeup and she uh, uh, tears her clothes and she starts to scream and to cry. What a wicked woman. And the other servants, they come running in to see uh, what in the world is going on and she begins to tell them that Joseph tried to rape me. I can just imagine them saying, yeah, right. You know, I can just imagine everyone else saying, Oh, yeah, sure. Joseph, no way. Uh, but, of course, they couldn't do that. And she holds on to that garment. When, when her husband arrives, she, she springs the trap. Said, aha, here. And look what she does. She, in essence, she blames her husband. She blames Potiphar uh, for the problem in verse 17. She says, if you hadn't brought this slave home, if you hadn't brought him, none of this would have happened. And look what you have allowed to happen in your home. But it's interesting here what happens. Potiphar, he hears the accusations against Joseph, and, and he, uh, he becomes very angry. But did you ever stop to wonder, who is he really mad at here? I, I, I tend to think that, uh, that if, it was if he really believed it, Joseph would have been killed. There's no way that, that young man would have gotten away with that at this time period. And the, the authority this man had, he could have had him killed, in the, uh, just the word said. But I believe Potiphar was not angry with Joseph. Uh, was, you know, I, I believe he was mad at her and his wife because he knew that the, the lust that was in her heart, he knew the unfaithfulness that was in her life, and he was he also probably mad at himself because he didn't have the courage to stand up to a domineering wife and do what was right. And then, or, or was he mad because he was thinking of, I am going to lose a bundle of money. Because with Joseph, everything was going his way. I don't know what the uh, answer is there, but surely Potiphar could see the inconsistencies in his wife's story. I mean, for instance, why would Joseph leave his garment and uh, uh, this incriminating garment when he fled? Um, hadn't Joseph also proved himself, proved to be honest and a man of integrity and, and uh, uh, for all this time? If Potiphar really believed his wife, he allowed his anger to get in the way of uh, making a clear decision. He knew he could not do what he, he should have done because that would affect his reputation, but he did not have Joseph killed. At any rate, Joseph, an innocent man, winds up in prison. Psalm 105, um, it talks about, you can read that later, I just wanted to throw that passage out there. It tells us something about the pain that Joseph endured. It was not a party. It was not uh, easy. It was difficult, very difficult. Not only the emotion part of it, he had done no wrong. He had done the right thing. He was master, true to his God, and yet he gets thrown into prison. But also the physical aspect of it as well. He was thrown in that prison. Joseph's response to the entrapment. Now, you put, try to put yourself in the shoes of this young man. Uh, you've been a faithful servant to your master. You have successfully avoided committing adultery and uh, uh, even taken advantage of the temptation that lie before you. And 
uh, even when she practically threw herself, and she did throw herself at him. And every day, you've been falsely accused, what do you do? I mean, I, most of us would have, boy, launched into a great long defense, a loud defense. I am innocent. This woman's a liar. And that would have all been true, but this was not what Joseph did. Uh, we would have declared our innocence for sure. We would have vowed that we were going to get revenge. We're going to uh, set things right when the opportunity presents itself. But Joseph, in fact, the record, what we have, shows him not saying a word, just, just going with what was thrown at him, just like Jesus did, like a lamb being led to the slaughter. Didn't speak a word. Didn't try to fight back. And Joseph, being the picture of Christ here, he took the trial that came his way. He endured it with grace and faithfulness. Then uh, be faithful in the face of trials. Um, I'm not saying that you should never defend your name. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying you should not defend your reputation when it is slandered. What I am talking about is the fact that trials are going to come your way. Trials are going to come into your life. There will be times when you'll be attacked, when you'll be misunderstood, when you'll be misrepresented. It's, it will happen. Then, when those times come, remember that God knows the truth, and the truth is going to come out. And so, just be faithful to God. Learn to be faithful during the trials. Don't, don't let the hardships and the valleys throw you off. Don't get upset when things don't go the way they should go or the way you think they should go. Um, by the way, and when you've been wrongly accused, when you have been lied about, prove them wrong by the life that you live, by your faithfulness to God. Nothing silences the, the tongue of a critic any quicker than a faithful life. And so just live so well that no one will believe uh, the lies that they are saying about you. Uh, I, I believe that was the case with those servants that came in the house that day. And when she made that accusation, they're probably in their mind thinking, yeah, right, Joseph didn't do that. We know Joseph. And that is the kind of reputation we ought to have. Let me close with this thought here. Uh, faithful in tragedies. Um, verses 20 through 23 of the same chapter here. Joseph, in essence, finds himself back in the pit. <clears throat> he's back in the pit once again. This time he's not in a pit of earth. He is in a prison. And uh, it's a horrible place. And surely he felt like his star was on the rise, but now where is he in prison? Um, has God forsaken him? No, we don't find him thinking that at all. But a lot of people, at that point, we would just give up. We want to quit, and, um, but not Joseph. He just did in prison what he, had did, what he had done in his father's house, out in the fields, taking care of the sheep, what he had done when he was sold as a slave to Potiphar, he did God's will right there in prison. No matter where they put him, no matter what the tragedy was, no matter what the trial was, we find Joseph faithful. And so he, did, he didn't change at all. He remained a faithful man of God. And, and so what, you know, Joseph, uh, he, he's a great example of faithfulness, but how, how was he able to do this? How was it possible? Verse 21, there again, I show you that phrase in verse 21. The Lord was with Joseph. So everywhere Joseph went, he knew that he was not alone. 
And though everybody may have turned against him and lied about him and his reputation, he was slandered. But Joseph knew God knows the truth. God knows, and he is with me. I, can, I will continue to be faithful to God. And, so, and, the, and the truth eventually did come out. It's even recorded in the eternal word of God, uh, the lies of Potiphar's wife. And so what do you do when the bottom falls out? When you're going along and it just seems like everything in life just falls apart. And the Bible tells us those things can happen to good people. Trials and troubles will come. We are not In fact, if truth be known, the Bible tells us we will suffer. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. But when that happens, there will be temptation in your heart and mind to quit on God. If God allowed this to happen to me, why should I be faithful to the house of God? Why should I even read his word? Why should I serve a God that allowed this to happen to me? Well, listen, we don't know all the reasons why things happen the way they do, but I want you to know that what you need when you're in that trial, when you're in those troubles, you need God. You need his presence. You need his power. You need his help. And he's there for you. He hasn't forsaken you. You say, well, then why? I don't know why. Uh, there could be uh, multiple reasons why. We may never know until we get to glory. But I do know this. You're not alone. God, as he was with Joseph, is with you. And so don't give up. Stay the course. Don't throw in the towel. Stay the course. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Stay the course. You'll always be a winner in the end. God knows what he is doing, and he is working out his perfect, eternal plan that all things will work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So you can trust him to do what is right. Joseph's faith, by the way, was rewarded. God blessed Joseph, used him in the prison because Joseph remained faithful. It wasn't long before now Joseph's in charge of everything in the prison. And if you and I will stand by the Lord, if we will be the people that he saved us to be, then God will uh, stand with us. He will, you can count on him using our lives for his glory. I've seen people in the valley of depression be, being used of God. Used of God. I've seen people with terminal illnesses, with their dying breath, were still testifying of God's goodness, his uh, greatness. They were used of God. People who didn't have a dime to their name, still uh, uh, God was able to use them. If you will be faithful where he puts you, he will use you for his glory. The greatness that can, can ever be said, the greatest thing can be said about you or I as a Christian is that we were faithful. Faithful. Let me ask you, are you ask yourself, am I faithful to God? Am I faithful to God? I, I think... You know, as a, a, a father, as a husband, we ought to be faithful not only to God, and if we are faithful to God, all these other things will fall in place. Faithful to your wife, faithful to your children, faithful to your church. Being faithful. How faithful are you? I want to be found faithful. I want to be faithful to my family and my wife and uh, uh, my calling. I want to be faithful to God. I want to be faithful to the church and uh, uh, to the pulpit that I will not uh, preach anything that will disparage uh, what God is, is trying, trying to do. 
I want to be faithful to the one who has always, always been faithful to me. So just keep living for Jesus even when it doesn't seem like it's paying off. Live for him. Just keep praying when it seems like there no answer is coming. Just keep going to church when it seems like uh, it's as dry as dust. Keep praising him even when you don't don't know, uh, you know, through the tears that you're shedding, the pain that's in your heart, you keep praising him, stay faithful in that prison of life. I think of uh, several thousand years ago, a, a woman named Mary bowed at the feet of Jesus, and she broke this ointment box that was worth a year's pay and poured it out on the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of the people complained about that and said, oh, that's a lot of money. That's awful expensive. Why would she just dump all this out? And, uh, uh, but this is what Jesus said, let her alone. She has done what she could. In other words, Mary was faithful to the Lord, and he recognized her faithful, faithfulness. Now listen, there's going to be accusations. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The devil is going to stand before God and accuse you before God. Trying to say, do you see what a failure that person is? But if you're trying to serve the Lord, God's going to say, forget it. He or she has done what she could. They remain faithful in the face of temptation. They remain faithful in the face of trials and, and troubles. They were faithful to me. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.